Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm Lindsay Foss. I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy by day and wellness advocate and educator for first responders and frontline workers by night. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. You guys, we made it. We are in the final days of 2020 and what a year it has been. This year has marked history for the entire globe and words that were once reserved for emphasis, like unprecedented, feel commonplace to the point that we are sick of hearing them. This year has been a lot of things, and it has called us to be flexible, adaptable, and responsive in a myriad of ways. Many of us are exhausted as the pandemic continues to impact our daily lives, and as we continue to interact with social justice and political concerns that are both directly and indirectly related to the pandemic in our various communities. I did not, for the record, start this year thinking that this is how I would be ending it. Back in January, this podcast was not even remotely on my radar. At the time, I was working really hard on putting together a resilience and burnout reduction course for first responders and frontline workers. Yep, pre-COVID, before our community helpers were pushed to the very edge of themselves with the advent of COVID, I was already keenly aware of the concerns facing those on the front lines when it came to creating sustainable wellness, and I had decided to pour energy into helping that in any way I could. When COVID hit, my private practice work continued, albeit switching to primarily over the phone or online video sessions. In addition, as the director of our clinic, I was working to navigate the rapidly changing COVID guidelines to support our team of clinicians in decision-making about returning to in-person services and how to do so safely, as well as implementing protocols and procedures for our team and clients to observe to protect our collective safety as best as possible. In the meantime, I was continuing on my mission to serve first responders and frontline workers on a broader scale, and anyone who heard about my work developing free resources, as well as a full training around burnout prevention and reduction, commented on how timely and needed these were. Thanks to these various aspects of my own world, I have had so many vantage points to observe some of the challenges that COVID has brought to light for us. From my own personal experiences working and parenting during school shutdowns and social distancing protocols, to supporting clients, to conversations with friends, and feedback I've received from the online communities I interact in, there are some common themes I've watched emerge that I think have value for us to talk about out loud. I believe there is value in voicing the challenges we face, in normalizing what feels so crazy and abnormal to us. I also believe that we increase our power in situations 
when we can accurately identify what we're working with and the challenges we're facing. I often say that we can only help something when we know about it. We have to give voice to the challenges to have any chance of engaging them. So this list is going to be some of the good, the bad, and the ugly of what this year has called us into and what it has drawn out of us. So what has 2020 been? 2020 has been a year of anxiety. Our illusions of control and predictability were decisively shattered. And keen awareness of our limited power has come into stark focus. In psychology, we talk about a concept called shattered assumptions. It refers to our general assumptions as humans that our lives are generally predictable. For example, when I leave my house, I have an assumption that I'll arrive at my destination safely. Now, if I don't arrive safely, I've experienced a shattered assumption. We've all experienced shattered assumptions this year. Assumptions that we will have time while the kids are in school to tackle things around the house. Assumptions that we will go on that vacation we've been saving and planning for. Assumptions that we can come home from work and safely mingle with our friends and family. When we experience shattered assumptions, it is a moment of reckoning. A moment of realizing that the world and life is not as predictable as human nature would like to try and pretend that it is. And when we realize our vulnerability, the degree that we lack control and predictability in our everyday lives, we feel it in our bodies. Jittery, restless, tired but unable to sleep, easily startled, tension, headaches, jaw clenching, shortness of breath, elevated heart rate, difficulty being present. On the front lines, you're likely used to watching shattered assumption moments happen for those you're working with all the time. For most first responders I know, this is a part of what drives them to be very in control in their own daily lives. An effort to stave off the uncertainty and unpredictability that encompasses so much of what you witness so much on the job. But this year, no amount of control has the capacity to manage what has invaded every aspect of our lives. This year has invited all of us into anxiety, a state connected to our fear center, but less specific and identifiable than a fear. Anxiety can have us revving in a perpetual low boil. It's exhausting and depleting. 2020 has been a year of fear. Fear and anxiety often get confused with one another. When I talk with clients about the difference, I usually use this example. Fear is turning a corner and seeing a bear in front of you. It's real, present danger, and it's staring you right in the face. Anxiety is turning a corner and worrying that you might see a bear in front of you. It's not real or present in the moment, but it could be. And the feeling attached to it feels very real. Anxiety is preemptive, trying to anticipate and calculate for possible bad things. Fear is about what is going on right now. And 2020 has been marked by fear. For the average Joe citizen, there's fear of going to the grocery store, uncertain if my cereal box will be the carrier of a deadly virus into my home. 
but for first responders and frontline workers, the fear has been that much more real. Every shift, you walk into a risk potential that is exponentially higher than what most of us can imagine. Instead of a bear, big, loud, and visible, the feared concern is an invisible, silent virus that mimics aspects of the common cold or flu. As first responders and frontline workers, you have the obvious interactions in the work you do, but you are also among us average Joes in having to be mindful of the grocery store trips or dentist visits or what your kids bring home from school. The fear is real and it has been exhausting. The thing about the fear center of our brains is that it's not meant to operate for any length of time. The fear center of our brains is intended to see the bear, enact a response to get out of that situation, and then realize our safety and calm back down. The challenge with what we have faced in 2020 is that the fear feels constant, and yet the markers of safety are also confusingly all around us. Our bodies don't know what to do with it. I'm in my home, I'm safe and warm and fine, yet I might also feel fearful that I've just brought home the plague from shift today. Your brain doesn't know how to hold these at the same time, and it leaves us in this awkward dissonance that's hard to make sense of and is impossible to settle into. 2020 has been a year of grief. As a first responder or frontline worker, you have been privy to the realities of what the world is facing right now. Many of you have witnessed the moment where families say goodbye to a loved one, not knowing if they will come home, or moments where a patient is put on a ventilator, unable to breathe on their own, or the moments of isolation during recovery. In addition to the grief witnessed and felt at work, there is also likely grief that is personal and on varying levels. Within my family, one of the things we have grieved this year is seeing grandparents. My parents live in the U.S., and my husband's parents live a province away. Our kids have been missing seeing their grandparents, who normally come to visit a couple of times a year. And we've been grieving not having time to connect and make memories with these people who we treasure in our lives. Grief is connected to loss. And for many, there have been a number of losses this year. Loss of employment, loss of childcare, loss of loved ones or access to loved ones, and so much more. As a culture, we're not well-versed in how to hold grief and move through it. It's uncomfortable, so we try to divert from it or avoid it. The challenge with grief is it's a bit like driving and skidding on ice. You have to steer into it to correct. Much like the skid, if you try to fight it by avoiding or distracting, it will often make it so much worse. But in the pace of this year, working overtime shifts, short-staffed and exhausted, there's been little time to process grief well, even if we knew how to steer into it. 2020 has been a year of loneliness. Social distancing has been a significant weapon in the battle against COVID-19. Limiting social gatherings, canceling school, and restricting the number of people permitted in workplaces has had an impact on wellness for everyone. We're struggling to stay connected with those outside of our home, and we're struggling to connect meaningfully with those within our homes 
who we are feeling sick of or overwhelmed by. Families are getting tired of one another and parents are struggling to come up with ways to keep kids engaged without regular and reliable activities to send them to. Retaining and investing in friendships has become complicated. We see it in the increased use of Netflix as well as the increased substance use across the board for all individuals. We are lonely and overwhelmed and trying to distract and numb. Happy story, right? Like I said, it's been a rough year, and taking this time to shine a light on what has been hard about it might feel really uncomfortable. I know some of you are likely thinking this episode is a total downer, and to some extent you're not wrong. But there have also been some interesting, and I'm going to hazard to say, maybe even good-ish things that have emerged this year as well. So let me give you that list. 2020 has been a year of being pushed to our limits. This year, we have been called to adapt. You have had to face PPE shortages and a lack of preparedness planning for an event of this magnitude. You have shown up day after day after day. You have witnessed so many hard moments. You have managed through the fear and anxiety and grief and loneliness and you are somehow still putting one foot in front of the other. You have probably even found some moments of normal, maybe even enjoyment in the midst of it. Isn't that amazing? We have all been pushed to our limits this year, and I know we're all tired of living in this space of being tested all the time. But you're still here, and that says something impressive about you. Truly, let that sink in. You might not feel like you're killing it every single moment along the way, but you're making it, and that is amazing about you. And while this might sound a smidge trite, just think, if you can make it through this, everything else that once seemed so hard or insurmountable will seem increasingly easy-peasy. At least that's what I'm banking on. 2020 has been a year of challenging our thinking. This year has called us to step outside of the monotony and the status quo of our thinking. Assumptions were shattered, our vulnerability had the spotlight turned on at full blast, and we have had to sit with that and wrestle with it a bit. If you had asked me a year ago if I thought I could balance my life if my kids weren't in school and a global pandemic shut down nearly everything... I would have laughed nervously and felt queasy at the thought of it. This year has challenged how much I care about how my house looks and how I choose to invest in my kids' learning and how I see my husband, who was the one home with our kids when school was closed. It wasn't easy, but some of the ways that this scenario challenged my thinking was for the better. And I hope to carry many of those learnings with me long past when the pandemic is finally in our collective rearview mirror. 2020 has been a year of gratitude. Cheesy as it may be, it's true. I can't think of a year where I have heard so many people talk without prompting about gratitude and thankfulness. We have given voice to our thanks more this year than any time I can think of in my lifetime. Whether it came in the form of banging pots at 7 p.m. to publicly mark our gratitude for the sacrifices of first responders and frontline workers early in the pandemic, 
or in the form of more subtle gestures and conversations, it seems to have significance. You see, as humans, we have a tendency neurobiologically to place a high value on negative experiences. Biologically, this makes sense as negative experiences are ones the brain perceives as being relevant to shape future behavior. When something good happens, our brain thinks, cool, that went well, nothing to see here. But when something goes wrong, our brain thinks, oh man, I need to remember that so I can do it differently next time and get a better outcome. It's why we say that there needs to be a ratio of positive experiences or interactions to negative ones, usually about a five to one ratio. We need more positive experiences or interactions to outweigh a single negative one because our brains don't naturally allocate as much space for them. Gratitude fits into this. In a year that has been marked by so many hard things, we need every ounce of good that we can scrounge up. Being intentional about investing in moments of pause to reflect on gratitude has a ton of value these days especially. So what does all of this mean as we move into 2021? We have learned a lot about ourselves, our families, our society. We have seen some of the best and worst of humanity. And we have seen our own response to strife and struggle that has been unprecedented. Yep, there's that word we're all so sick of. As we head into a new year, I know we're all hoping and praying that all the junk will just stay in 2020. I think we all know that this isn't how it works, but there is a longing that the end of the year would be a bookend to this nightmare. I get the convenience of wishing for something like that, but I tend not to love leaving things to wishing in chance. I'm guessing you're probably a lot like me in being someone who prefers to take the bull by the horns and have a hand in setting the course of your own destiny. So I'm going to circle back to a word that I talk about a lot, intention. Going into 2021, we need to set our intentions in a direction that supports us well. Here are three things I'm going to encourage you to focus your intentions on. Number one, take time. Time to breathe, time to feel, time to grieve, time to reflect, time to be grateful. All of the things that allow us to shape the direction we want to go begins with us taking the time to shape it. We can't just wishful think our hopes into existence. It doesn't work. If we are tired, overwhelmed, stressed out, We need to create time and space to consider what we need in order to be able to tackle those needs. Number two, get grateful. We know that your brain naturally values negative experiences, and we've talked about biologically how and why this happens. Because you see and participate in so many negative moments and aspects of experience in your work, You have to be even more intentional about exposing your brain to positive experiences, interactions, and thoughts to hit the ratio to counterbalance the intensity of your daily life. It's just basic math. Take time every day, multiple times a day if you can, 
to pause and look carefully for moments that were good, enjoyable, calm, connected, silly, funny, interesting, hopeful. Notice that these moments happen. Just notice them. Scan for them throughout your day. Catch them when they happen and let them occupy space for more than the fleeting moments when they happened. If you are going to pour energy into anything in your life for the coming year, this is the place to pour in. I'm telling you, if you invest in this one exercise well, it will pay off. And number three, anchor. Last week's episode, we talked about anchoring in. Anchoring is about what we connect to, what we use to ground ourselves into a sense of safety, stability, connectedness, meaning, and mattering. If you haven't, I encourage you to listen to that podcast. It was episode four. As you work at shaping 2021, notice what you tend to anchor into. Where do you derive a sense of meaning? What makes you feel like you matter? What helps you to feel calm, safe, or stable? If a lot of your answers revolve around your work, I'm going to suggest that you work at investing in some other areas of your life to help offer some balance and additional support. Hobbies, interests, side hustles, family, friends, whatever it looks like, find ways to build up aspects of your daily life that give something back to you build you up, and make life feel meaningful. And if I could add a fourth thing, it would be keep listening. I am really excited about the direction we're hoping to take as we continue this podcast series. We have some incredible guests and topics planned for the coming weeks and months. And as always, I value your feedback. Help me continue shaping this show to be something that meets your needs by emailing me with topic ideas that you would be excited to hear about. I always include my email address in the show notes, and you can also connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. If you're enjoying this podcast, I hope you'll continue to listen, to share it with those you know on the front lines, and connect with me by subscribing or joining my email list to get additional tools and resources sent straight to your inbox. Congratulations on making it through 2020, friends. Here's to a new year and new chances each day to include a little more wellness in our lives. Until next time, stay safe.